Well, we bookend uh, the Grateful Dead Long Strange trip. On the other hand, uh, we just happened to be where we were. I just happened to be there uh, rooming with Phil in 1963. Bob was just recruited later on to provide something the band was interested in. And also, we were both heavily involved in the space parts of the show. So that was a common thread for us to connect with. We could have been somewhere else. The connection is there. As it was, coincidentally, we are at Alpha and Omega, or Dr. Zarkoff and Mr. Spock on the same trip. I think if it's an advice to other musicians, it's play what you like and uh, do not let go of your musical connections. It's a, it's a strong thing when you can relate to somebody and just relax and be in the zone with them. It doesn't work for everybody. When you find them, hold on. Yeah, and hold on. Hey, this is the official tapes. This is a Grateful Dead radio program where we get into the official releases from the Grateful Dead, and we play the uh, official releases on the radio. And every so often, we uh, have an interview, and we take that interview, and then we post it online at officialtapes.com. And hey, some of those official releases feature those two gentlemen. I am Tom Constantin, to save time, TC. And uh, I'm trying to think of the name. Oh, yes, Persistence of Memory. I'm glad it did. I'm Bob Braylove, and uh, the project is Persistence of Memory. I keep reminding Tom. Yeah, we are going to get into that project. We're going to talk a little bit about how they work together, and we're also going to talk about improv and the science behind improv. So hold on. Now, the last record we did was all acoustic, all acoustic. Batik was just about setting those limits and improvising within those that context. And, you know, both Tom and I are kind of sophisticated about the sounds of the piano. So that was an, ex- an exciting thing. And this one was more a desire to pull back into the electronic realm for me, as, as a producer, I kind of set up situations for us to improvise in, and those become records. In musical terms, I could be think of something that's totally technical. Like, I, I want to arrange a 13th chord with a flat 9, or something like that. And it will come out with a certain feel to it. Just because the audience doesn't have the vocabulary, musically speaking, it's still response to the feelings. Most basic terms, um, major chord is happy, minor chord is sad or angry. Uh, You don't have to be a music major to know that. This one was, let's see what it would happen if we have the power to use a piano. I have a piano at my home in Old Steinway, a very nice instrument. And then also to integrate all the electronics that we are sophisticated enough to understand and manipulate and all that kind of stuff. So this has got both of those in it. And to even balance it out, it has some live tracks from a a performance that was two pianos when we were touring Batik. But it was, uh, you know, they were just magically balanced. There's some very hyper-electronic space 
age kind of feels like uh, Oregon Bank. Then you know some very acoustic kind of feels too. So it's a, it's a big, broad adventure. And it can be different from one listening to another, revisiting the same area in real time. Musically speaking, Bob and I have found that uh, there can be many different views of the same landscape. And to the listener, it would work that way as well. It's like a movie that you want to go and see again and again because you notice different things as it goes by. It goes up and down and high energy, low energy, positive, negative, dark, light, sort of like a, a movie soundtrack, except you've got to supply the visuals. And you catch different subtleties, different cross-references, uh, different ideas getting together and mingling. Maybe one time you're in a certain kind of mood and you're sensitive to certain aspects of the music. Maybe another time you're in a different kind of mood and you're sensitive to different parts. We are all complex that way, and uh, the music is meant to reflect that. Well, it's pretty much a musical voyage. And there are many rivers that lead to the ocean. A studio recording, live recording. Uh, I noticed in uh, my studies of the European avant-garde music and also the American from 60 years ago, that uh, the Europeans were trying to be more and more specific, more objective about every individual note, whereas the Americans like John Cage and Earl Brown were getting more and more laissez-faire, if you'll pardon my transatlantic confusion there for a moment, and just freak freely and go for it. And it was around nine, 1960 that we started to notice that the results sounded remarkably the same. By trying to be totally objective or totally free, you wend your way around the world to the same place, or at least a similar place. And uh, Bob and I often find ourselves doing something like that. They're more like textures that we return to, harmonies or something like that, without a formula for the way it should proceed. Each of us looking at the blackbird from a different angle. And as a result, there's a more dimensional result, a, a, a dimensional sound or rendering. I think of music as an organic 
entity that exists on the other side of the notes. We try to get our fingers on that. You know, we don't always start the same time or the same. So somebody starts, there's a chord out. And are you going to say, Tom does a major chord? And am I going to try to blend with that and turn that into a, a soup of, uh, you know, the, the sort of see the ripples on the pond? Uh, at first, we were really throwing the spaghetti at the wall to see what would stick. Uh, we were amazed, first, that we got away with it at all. And secondly, that the wilder we got, the better they liked it. Or am I going to try to, you know, throw a rock into the pond and see what it does to jostle the ripples that he's trying to create? I had this discussion with Mike Gordon Warren uh, of Fish, and he was talking about post-production, of uh, mixing down the, the tracks of a recording and going through that. And he pointed out that there's a tendency of all the musicians to have the highest standard, how well it made them look. And what Bob was just talking about is something that is above that. It's an interaction. It is a whole that's greater than the sum of the parts. Those decisions can be made moment to moment. And, you know, we can be playing ripples and then a, a stone comes into it and we do something and then go back to ripples because that statement was done. We bring what we have to the table. I've heard quotes from everybody, from Charlie Parker to Sonny Rollins. You can study music all if you want, but you put all that aside when you've got that's your instrument there and just express yourself. You watch the ripples return and you just see the, the wind on top of the, the pond and you see that move. Um, and you know, but always be ready for somebody to toss a stone in. I mean, in the, in the very beginning, when we used to do stuff and we, had, we didn't have places to return to, we would make up a set at the beginning of the, you know, just before we went on, and usually in a quite enlightened state, and we'd make up a set and we'd just make up titles and then we'd have to go and play them. You know, all, all sorts of stuff that is just sort of, okay, interpret now, do it. And with that kind of permission for each other, you develop this thing. Transcendence of limitation is one of the things we're all about. Uh, whether linguistically, I remember at Darmstadt, uh, there would be the tables after the shows, and each table had its own language. And when you change tables, you change your language. Every musician is having that kind of conversation. But if you're in a funk band and you're locking with the drummer, and you're the bass player, you're having a conversation that is limited sort of in the language that you're having that conversation in. You know, everybody knows when that funk happens, it's magic. And so the whole point of the conversation is to create magic. Now, we've, you know, said, okay, you know, uh, any language is fine. It's wide open. Pick, pick the words in this conversation that seemed to suit the subtleness of your expression. 
What do you want to say? And since then, there are several places we've discovered that we like to return to, like we return to a similar place in the forest. And oh, there's Bambi over there. Uh, landmarks show up. The forest is huge. You have to remember that since we're both committed to it, either one of us can bump the bump the whole thing into another place. It's a little rascal's adventure. You don't ever know what's going to happen. It's, you know, it's going to be happy at the end, but, <laughs> you know, the issue is that the conversation keeps changing, the one we have about this, because we keep growing as musicians and as people. Uh, something that I, I often say is that sometimes we'll have an argument. I remember Phil and Jerry having some out-and-out -out arguments. I come off the stage, boy, sometimes really, really upset, you know. I'll have come off the stage about a, a, a certain piece and go, you know, I, I never got to say what I wanted to say. And and when I was younger, I would get even more upset. I'd get more crazy. I would want it to be really good, you know, and I'd think, wow, it's not, it's not where it should be. It's almost there, but it's not there, and then I get really angry. There was one where they got physical walking off stage. I was at that show at the Carousel Ballroom. I remember one time we, were, we did the Carousel, we recorded. I got really upset at the end of the set because I thought it was just horrible for some reason. I thought it was, it seemed like everything was a struggle. And uh, I grabbed Phil and, and threw him down this little flight of stairs, you know. It's like, man, I've never done that. And Phil, is, I've been really tight with him for years. I was that freaked out, you know, and high too, you know, flipped out. You know. Tom kept doing this thing and I was trying to pull it. And then when I listened to the recording, the argument is the best thing. There's no relationship that I've ever been able to hear on tapes between the way I feel and the way it, it went down. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't? No. I haven't been able to hear it matter. It matters how I feel to me, of course, because that, you know, I feel that way, you know. And then we listened to these tapes months later and ended up using them on our album, man. They were, you know, they were... You know, they were crackling with energy. They were amazing. But, you know, I just kind of learned to keep my mouth shut, you know, and just not even think about what, whether, whether it seemed like it was happening to me or not. It happens in different ways also. It's possible to misunderstand someone correctly. Because I'm being insistent and he's being insistent and somehow we find a way to merge those into a new reality that I wasn't quite aware of it at the time. It's not a big deal to me as long as we get there. To think you're on the wavelength with them, and it actually has been known to work. Uh, remember, an artistic principle does not need to be correct in order to function. It is all about our conversation. So the uh, conversation goes back and forth, and what makes each album different is that the conversation gets more and more sophisticated, more delicate. We're tickling the music out of each other, and we know better how to tickle each other. So it keeps evolving. There have been some artistic principles that were absolutely harebrained, and they seem to work for a while. The album is available as a CD on Amazon. BobBrayLove.com has a big section about the record and Dos Hermanos. Also links to streaming. Music and magic only differ by two letters. And one of the similarities is that the ideas in the mind of the one who's perpetrating it are necessarily different from the ideas of those who are perceiving it, whether music or magic. Uh, the audience is saying, wow, where'd that rabbit come from? 
And the magician is thinking, I hope Betsy's doing okay in there. Uh, it's, it's a very different thing.